Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Hello out there and welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We're starting a new series today and it is on tough questions and we're going to be asking three tough questions. I'm joined today here with uh, some co-hosts. Brent, welcome back. Hello Travis, it is good to be here. And Jacob, always a pleasure to have you brother. Always great to be here and uh, great to hear from our listeners in the future. And And then my favorite JV pastor, Matthew, always good. Thank you, Travis. All right, brothers, let's just start this out here. Uh, we got three areas we want to cover. We're going to ask, how is your prayer life, personally, Pastor? How is your personal worship? And uh, how are you doing on personal evangelism? And so let's just kind of kick this off with personal worship. Let's, uh, you know, when we're talking about revitalization, you know, we cannot lead our people past where we are. And if we're going to have an expectation of building a culture of worship, right, which is foundational for revitalization, it has to start with the pastor. So let's just kind of share what we do for personal worship time and how that kind of looks. Uh, What are you reading or uh, are you singing or how how do you do your own personal worship uh, for yourself? Whoever, just jump right in there. Yep, so I'll, I'll, I'll begin. Um, I don't sing because nobody, including myself, wants to hear that. But, uh, but I have started, um, I started, I don't know, maybe, maybe a year and a half ago um, doing, some, doing some personal journaling. I'm not someone who has ever journaled, but, um, but I started doing that. As it as it pertains to the scripture, and one of the things that uh, we'll we'll talk about evangelism in a minute. But one of the things that I started doing in my evangelism and directing people to the scripture is to start in the Gospel of John when they're reading the scripture. And so when I was starting to do my um, to do my journaling, I thought, well, if I'm telling people to start there, that's where I'll start in this process. And so um, I, I worked through um, I worked through John, and then I've worked through uh, Nehemiah. And now I'm back in the New Testament and actually working through the book of Acts. But, um, so I do that. And then um, a, a resource that actually I think just came out because I just got it in the mail from Nam a couple of weeks ago um, is... The socks. The socks. I wear, I, I wear uh, multicolored dress socks, and that, that makes me feel very worshipful. Make, no, make a note, friends, that if you want good worship, you got to wear Argyle socks. That's correct. That's a requirement. Sorry. That's correct. <laughs> Um, but they, they sent a book with the um, Argyle worship socks. Um, I can't I can't uh, replenish I think. or replenish replenish yes, I think yeah. I can't remember who is the author of the book. But um, I have just started to to read that book. It's some really short chapters, quick read. Um, but but man, it's encouraging and really really helps encourage you just in, in some time of, of personal worship. And of course, I group the. Um, the journaling with prayer and which we'll talk about in a little bit as well but uh, but yeah I mean those are just sort of brief overviews so you're you're I'm reading the Bible and you're working through a book and then you a lot of times are using some kind of complimentary yeah, books absolutely. for your own personal kind of worship and growth yeah that's good and, and one of the one of the one of the real benefits I, I find in reading 
some other book is as as a bivocational pastor sometimes it's hard to find time to um, to listen to sermons from someone else and um, but you know going back to school I'm reading more anyway and so it's easier just to sit down and read something that takes 10 minutes than you know listen to a 30 or 40 minute sermon and still still be able to be fed that way and so for me it's it's helpful that's good Matthew you want to share brother yeah, Since so you just whipped the book out here. You've got yeah. Radical by David Platt on the table. I do. Um, so one of the ways, several different ways, because I'm a daily <laughs> pastor. You know, I don't really do anything but play around <laughs> in life. Um, but but one of the ways that, that I, I look at my personal worship is I do listen to several podcasts because I'm driving somewhere a good bit or when I cut grass. Um, I used to when I went fly fishing. I don't anymore. I'd rather just listen to the water. It's more peaceful. Um, but I'll listen to different preachers and what they're preaching through. Just for my personal worship, just hearing somebody execute the word faithfully week in and week out. Um, so I'll be listening to Imago Day with Tony Marita. I'll listen to um, David Platt. And I also, I've started to, over the past summer, listening to The Summit. And so listening to J.D. Greer, um, what he goes through, because he preaches a little bit different style than the people I normally listen to with that. And so I'll listen to podcasts. And then also, in, in my personal time of reading the word, um, I got convicted um, a while back that a lot of times we'll sit there and talk about, like, you need to get in your word, you need to get in your word. And um, with that, it's so many times we'll sit there and try to avoid certain areas of the Bible that we're like, always made the, the joke to some degree whenever we try to read through the Bible in a year. Like, most of us, we get to Leviticus and we're like, all right, peace out, I'm done. Like, I, I can't get through this. The wheels fall off. Um, and, and with that, I was like, why is it that when I get to those books of the Bible that we don't really preach a lot, we don't really read a lot, this is still God's word. He still has something for us as the church in this that I need to hear and I need to know, to know him more. And so what I've really started over the past uh, couple months is get to those books of the Bible that we never read, we never hear about, and we never preach and see what God has in it for us. You know, I read, a, I read an, I like that a lot. I read an article about uh, a, a Puritan who preached for 20 or 25 years out of the book of Job every Sunday morning. <laughs> That's milk and Job. Yeah, that <laughs> is. No, and, and so, you know, like Leviticus, because that's and one I always throw out, like, no, Leviticus. But, like, going through Leviticus, I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I'm sorry I haven't spent the time in this word that I need yeah. to. And then I'm going to spend time in his word, looking at, looking at parts of the Bible that I typically um, don't preach or read or hear preached. Uh, I also read books like Greenhead. <laughs> so, uh, actually, last week, I started rereading the book Radical that I brought out. That's radical. It is. And in a lot of ways, it's because in the church, we get so caught up in um, the culture. We get so caught up in just this normal rhythm. The Radical was a book I read not long after I became a believer. And so I was like, you know, I was a new believer. And so I read this with no church background. Mm. And so it was like, yeah, this is, this is common sense. Um, and so almost 10 years later, I'm sitting there with 10 years of church experience 10 years of church background, let's go back and, and reread, um, reread this book together. All right, thanks, Matthew, for sharing that. Uh, really good book, worth your time to read. Uh, also, uh, Jacob, I'd like to hear from you and kind of would take us through your routine there, brother, for personal worship. Yeah, so, so a lot like these brothers, uh, my routine, routine is pretty similar, um, but I also know 
you know, yes, I'm, you know, in the morning, you know, I get up and I, I spend time in the Word, uh, usually reading through, uh, you know, book by book. So, for instance, currently reading through, through the Gospel of John, and uh, I like to just read through and just kind of jot some notes down, take some time to pray through the passage as well. Sometimes there are certain things that I read in the passage um, that I want to take time to, to pray for personally in my life. Uh, but at the same time, I also know, you know, um, there's a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of times where I wake up and I, I'll just be honest, I just don't have the desire to be in the Word or to be in prayer. And so I have to spend time praying before I have time in personal worship or spend time um, using like reading a quick little devotional like Oswald Chambers or um, My Utmost for His Highest or... Um, sometimes I like to use uh, Charles Spurgeon's Morning by Morning or Evening by Evening. I like or, that one. Uh, John Piper has a good one called The Godward Life. So a lot of times, I'll just be honest with you, I have to, I know Brent talks about not liking to sing, but a lot of times if early in the morning when it's just me, I, I will listen to some music uh, in the shower or will listen to some music and, and read a devotional. Just be honest with you, it just helps kind of warm my heart uh, to, to the scriptures. And so then I could spend time in the scriptures and, and, and reading God's word and letting God speak into my life and taking that time in prayer, kind of communicating things going on as well. Um, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of those resources. And I think those are those those books that those guys mentioned are, are great books. Uh, but I also think sometimes uh, sometimes a, a devotional like that is good. And when I say a devotional, I don't mean that that devotional should be the time that you are ingesting in God's word. Yeah. And I'm always important to say this, even, even in the church that I serve at, um, you need meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And that means you need to feast on God's word. Those devotionals are good to help warm your heart up towards God's word, but it cannot be the sole focus. No. Yeah. And so for me, I think that's just important is knowing that sometimes I, I need my heart warmed up, so to say, before I'm diving into God's word. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, for me personally, I would just echo what all these brothers have said. I, I, I don't think I would, uh, personally, I have a, um, I have a Holman Christian standard that actually breaks, it's a 365 day, it breaks it up, and I like to read it uh, in the mornings. It has an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverb. Uh, and, you know, I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of all that. You know, Proverbs have been compared to, uh, like Z-Packs, right? There's a whole lot of wisdom packed into one pill there. So each verse, you know, you wouldn't want to have a whole meal on just like Z-Pack vitamins or whatever you want uh, on antibiotics. You want something a little more hearty. And uh, and I think seeing the, the whole of the word there. And in addition to that, I like to listen to podcasts too. Um, I enjoy, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Sam Rayner and his podcast, EST. I'm a listener to that. Uh, it helps me sometimes in... Uh, as a leader, and then there's been some things they've said that have helped me personally, and then there are other preachers I'd like to listen to as well. And uh, one other thing I'll mention that that I use in my own personal worship is uh, Dr. Chuck Lawless sends out an email whenever he does his own private worship, and I read through that a lot. And then uh, another one I really like to use in my own personal life is Paul David Tripp. He sends out a Wednesday word, and I use those quite often, and I, I enjoy about everything that Tripp produces. So anyhow... But uh, those are some different things that I personally like and use. I also enjoy reading uh, biographies. Uh, I'm working on a biography about Martin Lloyd-Jones right now and just learning about him and, 
in his life, and that's encouraging to me as well. So, all right, so um, prayer, let's uh, kind of shift. This would be a good point to sort of shift into prayer and having a discussion on prayer. Uh, since I got the floor, I'm going to go ahead and touch on an issue quickly. Before the podcast today, we decided we're going to do a whole episode on this. But um, uh, just real quick, you know, how is your per- personal prayer life? And, and let's be kind of qu- clear what we mean by prayer. I'm going to go ahead and define this within the parameters of Hebrews 1, 1, and 2. Uh, so I'm going to sort of touch on the fact that there are two views on prayer widely held among pastors in the church. One view is they see prayer as a conversation where you speak to God and then God speaks back to you in a still small voice or, I don't know, in tree branches or other kinds of forms that God speaks back. Uh, And then the other view is that prayer is actually uh, us speaking to God and that God speaks back to us in the Word. And so prayer and personal worship are going to overlap greatly. Now, I would make the argument for the latter of the two based on Hebrews 1, 1, and 2 uh, that, you know, the Bible tells us very clearly that God spoke in the past in many different ways, like still small voices. He spoke through a donkey, a burning bush. But today, he speaks through his son definitively. So we're not all getting mixed signals. Uh, There's a little bit of a... uh, There's a little bit of a... um, possibility of manipulation of the flock if we're using our personal prayer life to push agendas uh you know what i mean so we got to be careful and we got to make personal prayer life primarily about our own spiritual health and kind of focus it on that so with that sort of touched on and now pushed out of the way let's talk about what does a healthy prayer life look like for a pastor that's in a revitalization context here in the mountains what what are the things we should be doing with our prayer time um Let's just go backwards from how we started here. So, Jacob, you t- tell me where, where's a good place to start in your personal prayer life? Consistent. Consistency. I, I mean, I think I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about, the hows and things like that, but I think it's got to be out of a place of dependency and consistency. Um, you know, we see that modeled in the scriptures time and time again. But, uh, and so I believe it's got to be a, a daily thing. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, you were talking about how you pray and, 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 and not kind of getting into anything mystic, but kind of praying with God's word. Uh, one of the things I, I like doing, and I kind of spoke this a second ago, is so in my, my time alone, my personal worship, if I'm reading God's word, say for instance, I'm uh, in, in 2 Timothy here, and I'm reading a passage of scripture uh, there are things that I'm reading that are already kind of sticking out to me or cutting down to my, my heart or, or, or challenging me. And so I will take time praying. And I will literally just pray through God's Word. Uh, and so I, this is a habit I started years ago. Um, you know, one of my professors, Donald Whitney, uh, talked about praying through God's Word. So using that with your time in God's Word. So so if I'm reading through God's Word and He's challenging me to um to, to be personally evangelistic more in that time in my personal prayer I'm going to be praying okay Lord I see you talking about having an open door for the gospel Lord what are open doors for the gospel in my life who are people that you, and, and so I'm using God's word as a format daily for my prayer and, and in many ways it, you know I, I have heard Christians talk about how their prayer life can be stale I've got the same list the same people I'm praying for the same things and that's one of the things I think is that's 
I find really invigorating is as I'm in God's word and God is teaching me through his word, I'm, I'm praying these same truths and promises and hopes and assurances that we see in, his God, in God's word and it's helping shape and mold me more into his image of a son. Very good. So we're, um, you know, if you were to survey, I like what you said there, praying through scripture. If we were to do a survey of the Bible and prayers that are in the Bible, so there are multiple prayers in the Bible, and we were to ask the question, what is the content of those prayers? I think that we would find a lot of them are going to be kind of kingdom-centered, yeah. right? They're not going to be, you know, Aunt Bertha had an ingrown toenail. It's going to be, you know, God's will be done. Yeah. And so it, I think it is, it is critical, like you said a minute ago, for an inner revitalization effort that we pray God's will be done in our life that he use our lives for his kingdom advancement and for our churches. I think that's also, you talk about just kind of a pattern of some of those prayers is a lot of them there's some some pretty consistent themes. There's a lot of mm-hmm. dependency solely upon the Lord. That's right. Uh, there's a lot of humility. There's a lot of things uh, about God's will, God's glory. Uh, and, and so there are, there are a lot of themes in our prayer that I think that models the way we ought to pray. Instead of constantly coming with just this laundry list of needs, right. but saying, okay, Lord, first, I just want to thank you for who you are, your character, your nature, because I see David pray that way. I see Paul praying that way. Same time, then I'm thinking, okay, I want to pray according to your will or or that you would get the glory. So, so even if I'm praying that somebody is healed from cancer, it's not simply that, you know, for my good that they're healed or for their good, but it's that God would be glorified and that people would see that and in turn worship the Lord or, or come and seek after him, right? That's right? And so I think praying according to God's glory and dependency on him. So, Matthew, what about you, brother? Well, what should prayer look like for a revitalizer here? I mean, what, what, what should our prayer lives privately look like? So, so it's, a, it's a good question. For me, I, it's something a lot of ways that I, I think I struggle with some degree because... I'm a process person, like every day I have a post-it note with things that I need to get done that day, and at the end of the day, I want that post-it note cleared and have the next days ready to go. Um, So when it comes to my prayer life, my prayer life personally is I'll start off with, um, first thing I do in the morning, because I have a hard time at at the house, (laughs) with two little ones and, and, and wife and dog, and being able to focus in on focusing on God's word for personal worship. So the first few minutes I'm in the office is when I do my personal worship. And so before I jump into God's word, I jump into the prayer for me, the prayer for, for God. And so, you know, Second Samuel, Second Timothy 3, 16, all scriptures breathed out by God is proper for training, for righteousness. Um, so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As I pray that prayer before I jump into God's word. And um, after I get done with that prayer, I dive into God's Word. And then I have the, the time of prayer that is focused on me, it's focused on my wife, it's focused on my kids, praying for them, praying for me to grow, God, to, to, to spirit lead me. As the first episode I think we played for this, I played uh, Shane and Shane's Yearn. was kind of the intro to the episode. Is That's really my heart, God. I want to yearn for you. I, I, I want to worship you. I want to grow for you. I want to be an example of the kingdom to my students. To an example of the kingdom to, to those people out on the football field on Mondays when I do devotions with them. Um, and so a lot of times as I go from praying towards me is God starts laying this football player that I know doesn't have a relationship with God, that's family does not have a church background. I start praying for them. 
or each day I've broken up my student ministry into this is my Monday group, this is my Tuesday group, Wednesday. And so every day of the week I'm praying for certain students as they um, are on that calendar as well as just different people that come to my mind. So for me it's, for my, I guess for, for, for the way that I'm wired, it's a very systematic, yeah. Oh, yeah. systematic process. It doesn't look like a, I just need to pray. It's a, this is my time to pray. Let me, let me get let me get into my prayer time. And so I, I think it might sound weird to some people, but that's just, that's just the way that I, I process um, my yeah. personal time. One of the things that you said there, I like you talked about praying for your students, and you know an important component for a vitalizer is he needs to be praying for his church members individually. Yeah. I think perhaps one of the best things I heard from a pastor. And a lot of people don't think about him this way, but he is one. And that's Mark Dever went to the church there in Washington, D.C. Mark Dever is a revitalizer. I know a lot of church planner guys like him and want to claim him, but he, at the end of the day, he's a revitalizer. And one of the things that Mark Dever does is he takes the church directory and he prays through the church directory for his church members. And I, I kind of picked that up myself and uh, stole it from Mark Dever. So I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but thank you, Mark, if you are. Uh, that was a great tip for all of us revitalizers out there. And uh, so anyway, so Brent, tell us. Yeah, so these guys have, you know, both hit on, on some, some really good things. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more like Matthew and um, very systematic in the way that I approach prayer. But one of the things that I have really, really, really tried to, um, tried to, to start doing with more consistency, I mean, of course, to Jacob's point, that's our little co-host in the background, by the yeah. way. <laughs> we, we got some our special guests. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Um, so to Jacob's point, um, the, the um, consistency is obviously something we should always strive for in prayer. But um, for me specifically, I've tried to become more consistent with every time I, I enter in to a time of personal prayer, beginning that time with complete surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're a revitalizer, you to some degree are forward thinking and a plan and a planner. Mm-hmm. If you're not a planner or forward thinking, then revitalization probably isn't for you. It is not. And so, um, that's good. You need to have those. You need to you need to be that type of person. But you don't need to be that type of person in prayer, right? Because if you are, then you take your plans and your forward thinking and say, "Hey, God, here's." Here's what I think we should do. You know, here bless bless this, and I think we'll be good. And so I try to be very. I've I've been guilty of that many times. I try to be very careful to surrender and not do that. Um, and then I sort of follow that up with just um, a prayer for preparation, a prayer for participation, and then um, then just close with um, a prayer of perseverance and separating that from the ministry because while we're all in the ministry as part of our calling um we are um, we're more than just ministers you know mm-hmm. we're we're fathers we're yeah. uh, family members whatever the case may be maybe even co-workers if you're bivocational and so um our personal ministry exists outside of the context of the church and so i try to pray lord prepare me for that personal ministry that family ministry um Help me be a better participant in that and give me perseverance to continue in that. 
And then quickly, just on the church side of things, because it, it is, I think we've made the distinction, it's really important for personal prayer, to have personal prayer, but then also prayer for the congregation. And of course, that's consistent as well. But one of the things that I learned early on in um, revitalization is to pray specifically. That's right. Because it's so easy when you pray for the church Lord, just help our church to do good. You know, help Sunday school or small group to do good. Help us to be better evangelists and just pray these general prayers. And then sometimes God is working in that, but it's sort of tough to see because you've not prayed specifically. And so I like to pray for specific things. Maybe, you know, with the Who's Your One, if I know someone in the church who they have their Who's Your One and they're really burdened by them, maybe I'll pray for that specifically, Lord, may this church member. And so when you start praying those specific prayers, you see God answer in specific ways and it encourages your prayer life. Yeah, that's good. Um, to bring a point of clarification, I think Matthew may have mentioned it a minute ago about people being brought to mind to pray for. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit works within the framework of our hearts and minds. So he helps us to think about verses when we're praying. He helps us to think about people that we need to pray for and, and go to the Lord about. But I really like what you said, and I'm probably going to hone in on this. Uh, about we're more than just pastors we're fa we're family men we're fathers and we're husbands and I can't emphasize the importance enough of praying for our family uh, when you set out to do a revitalization work you are going to get bit by sheep and they are going to bite your family at time now that's there's that's not all the time but that's just the reality when you get a bunch of sinners under one roof no matter what the scenario is they're gonna they're gonna be conflicts and hurt each other and I pray, you know, and Job talks about uh, when Satan came to the Lord and said, you know, I, I want to, I've been roaming to and from. And, and he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, but you've got a hedge of protection up around Job. You remember mm -hmm. that in the Old Testament. So constantly praying that God will put a hedge of protection up around my children and my wife. I, I can't tell you how many pastors have come to me and said, man, I just really hope my kids don't hate the church. And I thought, man, what a sad indictment. And so, you know, we really, in our personal lives, have got to be praying for our children. Uh, you know, I feel like we failed at that post and we failed as a revitalization pastor. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say that. And then I would also say this um, in prayer and something that's really crucial. Uh, we want to be praising God for who he is. We want to be uh, thanking him for all he's given us and blessed us with. And and if you, like I said a minute ago, sometimes she bite, sometimes she kick and do other things. And as a, as a pastor in revitalization, you're going to bleed. People are going to cut you. You know what I mean? And I think there's a real temptation for us to bleed on our secretaries or our deacons or bleed on other staff members or fellow pastors, uh, even our, in, in our wives, you know, and sometimes that's, I'll be honest, really, those are not good. It's best to bleed in prayer to the Lord. You know, he's the one that truly understands the scenario and the case. So uh, that's really the only thing I would add to what's already been said. So, all right, <clears throat> let's uh, move on here then to the last one for this episode. And that is going to, we're going to cover this quickly, brothers. And that is about evangelism. When was the last time you shared the gospel some, with someone? We can't expect our flocks to do something that we're not practicing regularly. So let's just go back here. Brent, can you kick us off here and just tell us about personal evangelism and, and the importance of it for a revitalizer there? Yeah, so, I mean, this has definitely been a, a difficult journey for me because um, it wasn't until about three or four years ago that... 
I would really consider myself someone who was intentional about sharing the gospel, even though I've been in the ministry for 10 years. And so um, that's been, it's been really, really convicting. Just uh, since we got to be brief, just something that really helped me practically. Um, I, use, I use the three circles model, and actually that training was one of the things that really convicted me to being someone who's better at sharing the gospel than, than what I was. But one of the things, one of the things that I did... And along that same along that same time, I was I was challenging the church to share the gospel with one person a week for a year, and, and I was like, "You're not sharing the gospel with one person a week." <laughs> Ouch. So, <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I started doing, and we even changed our comp- the way we the way we deal with evangelism and and sort of label how we're sharing the gospel. One of the things that I did personally is, is I sort of, I've sort of broken down in my mind a difference between um, just a gospel conversation and a gospel share. Mm-hmm. And so a gospel conversation for me is just something that I feel like opens the door to actually share the gospel <clears throat> specifically. And it was easier for me to start having gospel conversations without the pressure of always feeling like I've got to follow through in this moment with the share. But as I started trying to open the door more just in general conversations with people for gospel conversations, it became easy it became easier to just start naturally flowing into an actual gospel share. And I hope that that has been is is becoming the same case for the people in our church. But for me someone and for pastors it's easy to not share the gospel because you're just so focused on the church and like that's the way we share the gospel. It's really easy to sort of drop the ball on personal evangelism. But for me, it, that was, I guess, an easy a way for me to ease in to being better at personal evangelism, making that distinction. I like how you brought up really leaning into the sovereignty of God and trusting Him for um, being faithful and intentional in personal evangelism. Philippians one six says that we can have a confidence that when God starts a good work, He will finish it. So. You know, maybe you, maybe it's not a point where you're ready to say now, are you ready to repent and believe? I know when I first got in ministry, we did what I call now drive-by evangelism, <laughs> where we basically knock on a door, do you know Jesus? And, you know, I thought I was really being faithful, and I come to realize I may have been doing about as much damage as I was mm-hmm. doing helpful in that scenario, because... You know, we live in a day now where people, like at our house, we have the Ring app, so, you know, I can answer the door without answering the door. You know what I mean? Like, people are, you know, uh, it's a different culture than it was 20 years ago, and so, anyhow. All right, Matthew, tell us. Tell us a little bit about uh, personal evangelism here and the importance of it. So, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like how, how Brent distinguished it, too. I would say I have a whole lot more conversations than I have shares. Um, so one thing I, I've been blessed to, to do this year is be the football chaplain mm-hmm. and be able to have opened up time to where I can go into the high school a lot more than I have previous years that I've been here. And I have a whole lot more conversations about the gospel and about the Bible or about church or about Jesus with whether it's different players or different high schoolers. Um, and so people are recognizing, and that's the, the preacher guy. You know, in the school, and so like that's the JV preacher, yeah, right there. JV, I know him. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so they just come up and have just a random conversation with me about something, and so it's it's opened up the door for several uh, students that do not have a church background at all um, to be able to have some of those really hard conversations. Like one of the conversations I had in the past week or two, um, 
which was really hard. We had a, a young child in our community that passed away that a lot of people were praying for. And so um, they're like, all these people were praying for, for this, and they were praying for him to be healed. Um, how could a loving God allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, huh. <laughs> Great question. Um, but really was able just to open up and have a, a conversation about um, about how a loving God allows things like that to happen. <laughs> um, because that's a big question for students. If they, if they see our faith and we pray for these things, we always expect whatever we pray for is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And as I told one student, because they were talking about it like their parents were really struggling with this because they were really close to the family. And um, the dad is now like, I just don't know if I have any faith in God. Mm-hmm. to allow this I'm like she said God didn't answer our prayer so God answered it but he didn't answer the way we wanted mm-hmm. it yeah and so just having some of those tough conversations so I, I would say for me I have a whole lot more conversations that I'm looking for the day that opens up the share than I actually get to have that you know you ready to repent and believe in the gospel um, but I, I can sense some of those some of those are coming before we, before we jump to Jacob I just want to point of clarification because it, I think a lot of people are sort of this mindset now like gospel conversations may not be like a specific gospel share especially in a culture that's not that's no longer indifferent to the gospel but cold to the gospel and so you really have to break that ice but if you're not careful the gospel conversations thing can kind of become a cop out mm-hmm. like just telling someone you go to church isn't a gospel conversation no, no. and so because I struggled with that when I first started like yeah, I had a ton of gospel conversations this week because I told people, like, I'm a preacher, you know, and that's not a gospel conversation. Yeah. So you just be careful in what you identify for yourself as a gospel conversation. Well, I think hitting on your point, I think there's this this process where you kind of have to move move the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, you know, talking with people even personally is trying to move the ball down the field. And so one of the things that I always encourage people is, you know, even if you've never shared the gospel, something begins by a simple invitation, right? I mean, you see that in the gospels with Philip inviting people to Jesus. And so begin first by even something as simple as an invitation, but then follow up, right? Mm-hmm. That gives you the opportunity to follow up with the conversation. And it may be just, like I said, a simple gospel conversation. You're not giving the, okay, have you, you know, do you want to trust Christ for salvation today? Yeah. But I, but I think there's got to be a process where you're kind of slowly warming people's heart up towards the gospel. Yeah, and spaces and places are yeah. key. Because, like, we're, I'm sure you went to the Elizabethan game Friday. I know you go pretty regularly. I, I, ha- I, had, a, I had a wedding. Oh, that, well, so you would have been there. I would have been there normally, but I had a rehearsal dinner. So For our North Carolina listeners, I don't know how much <laughs> to keep up with Elizabethan football, but Greenville is the team to beat. I mean, that's like the one. And they won by a field goal. But obviously, like... You know, you don't want to start a gospel conversation, you know, three seconds before the final field goal is going to determine the game winner. You know what I mean? You might just want to do something uh, just kind of like you were saying that I'm pastor of the church. I'd love to talk to you more about, you know, uh, your thoughts on God or something like that. Opening doors and then working through that. So you want to build on that anymore? Yeah, because, you know, Paul is praying for open doors towards the gospel mm-hmm. and boldness and clarity. And so I think uh, what, no matter your job, no matter where you live, your neighborhood, your family, that we all have opportunities and doors. And so I think it's about, like I said, creating spaces, creating margins for that. So 
uh, inviting people into your home, right? Having a meal with them, taking time, you know, in the midst of that meal, talking about kind of what God has been doing personally in your family. Right. Or talking about what God has been personally doing in your life. Uh, beginning to talk about the gospel and, and, and the brokenness, but how Jesus has redeemed you from broken. I think just beginning and having those conversations, it begins to warm people's heart up towards the gospel. And it gives you opportunity where you can begin to periodically, I, I think, meet with people and share the gospel with them. Yes, yeah, so, I'll be honest, personally, I, I don't know if I've had just a conversation where maybe one or two times where it was outright first conversation sharing the gospel. So. Right. But I've had opportunities where there have been people I've come to know and befriend, and then in time will call and say, hey, pastor, can I meet you in your office tomorrow? I've got to talk. Mm. And so, sure. Do you, can you, do you need to talk right tonight? No, I, I, I need to talk to you tomorrow. I thought, okay, so we'll, we'll meet and it's, they sit down and it's, you've been talking about this. You've been constantly talking about this. You've been inviting me to this. I, I, need, I need Jesus. How, how, can I, how is this possible? How do I trust Jesus for salvation? So I think it, it is a process. Yeah, you know, um, somebody who helped me a lot in thinking about personal evangelism and how to have a conversation and when, there's been multiple resources, but one of the things that's been helpful to me is I tend to think of it in terms of the Engel scale. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or not, but Engel scale runs from negative eight all the way to positive five. Zero is when salvation happens. And so they're they're becoming more and more discipled from positive one to positive five. And so, you know, negative eight is like an awareness of a supreme being, but no knowledge of the gospel. So if you're talking to somebody that's like at a negative eight, and then that's different conversation than a negative one, which is they're ready to repent and have faith in Christ. They just need a little bit of a finger pointing in the direction. Yeah. Or they're somewhere in the middle, like where they're beginning to grasp implications of the gospel. He puts that as a negative five. So, you know, it, it's it's somewhat of an assessment, you know, and, and how do you assess in personal evangelism? Well, I think you ask good questions, right? Like, and, and you let them ask questions and try to, you know, build on that to kind of see where they are. I mean, you can't, I, I as a pastor, I have seen a lot of evangelism models come and go. Some good, some really bad. But, you know, like, uh, personally, I've never liked the Evangicube. I've always thought, I, you can ask anybody on staff here at Grace, I don't like things that are campy, <laughs> like for worship or for evangelism. And I've always felt like the Evangicube was campy. You know what I mean? Like, well, Or you have things like Evangel Explosion. Right. Great resource, but you have to remember step after step after yeah. step and know every single mm-hmm. verse before you can get to that, that ask. Right. And sharing Jesus without fear is similar in that yeah. regard to EE. Um, and, you know, we see, like, in the New Testament, you know, how they start the conversation and at what point they start the conversation is different. So when Peter begins his sermon to Hebrews, where does he start? He starts with prophecies being fulfilled in Christ. But when Paul is on Mars Hill and he's speaking to a bunch of backwards pagans, who have no idea about the prophecies of Jesus, where does he start? Well, he starts with, there is a creator God. You, this unknown God that you've made this monument to. And so sometimes you got to tailor it, you know, because you'll have people in, in, in the mountain culture, I know we'd love to say that, oh, everybody here has some kind of Bible background. Well, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I know Matthew had mentioned a minute ago going to the football team. I go up right up the road here to a local high school, and I kind of do the same thing Matthew does. And, um, you know, three years ago, there was, 
90% of the team didn't know what Good Friday and Easter was. I mean, that's right here in East Tennessee. I mean, I'm not talking about Papua New Guinea. So, I mean, there are plenty of gospel opportunities. And the other thing that, you know, me and one of my deacons in my church, we always say, you need to have some pagan friends, right? Like, you need to, you need to keep kind of a pulse on where the conversation is so you can actively engage it. Uh, one of some good friends, I, one lady passed away here. She was real faithful to the church. And her daughter told me she was a... Um, you, you, boo. You know what that is? That's a Universalist Unitarian oh, Buddhist. Okay. You, you, boo. And so that conversation about the gospel is going to be way different than talking to a kid from Stony Creek on a yeah. football team. And so, you know, uh, but doing it consistently, understanding who you're talking to, and understanding the space and the level of intimacy you have with them. Uh, because, you know, you're asking them very personal beliefs but you do need to be clear about it. You know, I, um, so anyhow. Well, I think you talk about, I mean, it begins with meeting people where they're at. Right. right. I mean, we see Jesus doing this, but I, I think there, there is a level of, you talk about making sure it's the right time and the right space, because there, there is a level of, you know, there are times where you, you begin a conversation with somebody and it's, it is not the right time. It's not, not quite the right time. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're not warmed up to hearing the gospel. At the same time, it, it may be one of those things where you have very little time to sit here and actually you know, describe and, and talk through about sin and brokenness and, and what Christ has done to redeem us on the cross. And so I think realistically, that's why I think it's, it's a process right. of taking time to meet with people and grab coffee, invite them in your home, whatever, you know, uh, whether it's a football field, constantly going for practice it, it's a process of, of befriending and knowing and, and slowly being able to have this process to share the gospel with them yeah there is definitely a difference in meeting someone who's far from god on their turf versus meeting them on our turf mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times we have this concept that if we can just get them on our turf that's almost the same as having a conversation about the gospel when maybe you just made them uncomfortable now i know we said it is a process but let me make one other point here too sometimes there's not time to be a process yeah you're right uh, i'll give you a quick example of that i serve as a chaplain here at the local hospital volunteer and that's kind of a way i connect I get a chart and I see when I go into a room uh, what is wrong with the patient and, you know, roughly about how much time they may have. And so I got this one sheet and this guy, he was totally awake, conscious and everything. He, he was an alcoholic and his liver was failing. And they told me he had 24 to 48 hours. So, you know, there's not a time for a gospel. You know, I mean, I just, I went in there and I said, look, brother, here is the gospel. I said, have you trusted Christ? He said, no. I said, here is the gospel. God is holy. We're not. Jesus is the answer. Repent and believe. And I went through the verses with it. And, you know, I said, will you do that? He said, nope. So then I was like, brother, let me go over this one more time with you. I want to make sure you understand this because God in his mercy has sent somebody one last time to you. And I went through it again and he still didn't. I went back the next day. He was gone. So there was really no time for a development of of a, of a relationship it was just I had to go for the jugular in that scenario so there are exceptions to the rule okay well I think this wraps up this episode unless you guys have anything else you'd like to share can I drop a shameless plug I guess you can alright good because I'm going to um, if if listening to this if you feel like you could use some help in evangelism training or even that you could use help in the church with evangelism training Contact the Avery 
um, association office because we mentioned three circles some I think but um, we will we will come and train either church leaders or whole churches however you prefer um, to to help you and your church members uh, do a better job in in personal evangelism like we've talked about and that sounds good and with that we will wrap up today's podcast uh, please join us next time as we continue this tough question series You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.